0: I am hosting a retreat in Tulum, Mexico, in paradise this October, called Bloom in Tulum. It's a five-day, all-inclusive, personal and professional growth retreat for ambitious, big-hearted women who are ready to step into their power with grace, support, and confidence. So my two biz besties and I dreamed up this magical retreat over sushi a few months back, and after lots of planning, it's actually happening. We have mapped out a thoughtful itinerary with lots of downtime to make the most of this beautiful paradise beachside location and also set you up for a powerful and memorable experience of growth. There's only 20 spots available and all three of us are promoting it to our full community. So that's like over 50,000 people. So I imagine the spots will fill very quickly. If you are interested in joining us, in Bloom in Tulum. Go to bloomintulum.com for all the details and to complete your application. Also know that early bird pricing ends on June 30th. So it's a really good time to secure your spot and save some money. I mean, honestly, like how fun would it be to hang out in person at a gorgeous, luxurious, all-inclusive in October? So head to Bloom in Tulum. That's B-L-O-O-M in Tulum. T-U-L-U-M. Bloom and for all the details and complete your application.
1: You stand at that crossroads and you choose. Am I choosing connection or am I going down the road of disconnection?
0: You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 154. Today we're talking to Leanne Cabot about conscious connection. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. A Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clarkfield's Mindful Mama mentor. I help smart, thoughtful moms stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years and the creator of the Mindful Parenting course coming up soon. And I'm the author of the upcoming new book, Raising Good Humans. I have a release date, by the way, December 1st, 2019. So we got a little time to go. I guess I got edits and things like that. So welcome, welcome, and welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. This is going to be a riveting conversation with you. I am so excited for you to talk to Leanne Cabot, And Leanne coaches women towards deeper connections with their children, their partners, and themselves living with purpose, authenticity, and intention. And she hosts this really amazing mom conference near Seattle. And you can learn more at MamaConnects.com. She does this cool conference. But the thing about Leanne is that she has an incredible story, and I invite you to kind of put yourself in her shoes What would you do if you found out you only had five years to live? How would that change everything? So I'm excited for you to join me at the table as I talk to Leanne. And you're going to hear about you know that that we are the ones who get to decide who we want to be in this world right and thinking about how we react and talking about how women are chronically undercared for and how illnesses can really happen when we're depleted and thinking about our inner inside right like how our thoughts can become our words and all of those things so you are going to really love this conversation with leanne before we dive in, I want to let you know that the Mindful Parenting course is about to open up live registration for this year. And we only open up the course twice a year. And there's an exciting change that actually when you join the Mindful Parenting course, you join, kind of it's kind of like a lifetime membership program because you get lifetime access and you get a lifetime access to the live coaching calls. So it's really, really a cool community to join. So there's so much that happens with mindful parenting that we can really transform your relationship. So I invite you to learn more, check it out. This registration will only be open briefly. So go to mindfulparentingcourse.com, mindfulparentingcourse.com, and I'll see you there. And now on to this episode. Leanne, thanks so much for coming on the Mindful Moment Podcast. Oh I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. I was so excited to meet you at the Biz Chicks conference cuz you are
1: like in parenting too and I know <laughs> you're like <laughs> person. (laughs) I know. And it was funny because, you know, there were 140, 150 people there, but whoever met me said, oh my gosh, there's somebody else just like you. You have to go meet her. So I mean, it was just destined that we came together at some point because everybody was, you know, vying for us to meet. So that was great.
0: Yeah, it was it was really wonderful, and I'm so excited to talk to you about. I want to hear about the five seasons of connection, which I know is going to be a framework that's going to be super super helpful. But you have a pretty amazing story that we have to dig into, Leanne.
2: I do. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do. I
3: do. Um, do. <laughs> so, you in
0: 2006, you were given five years
1: to live. I was. I was it was a harrowing time I have to say. I had just moved down with my husband and my two kids. We were living in Ottawa, Canada, so that's more on the eastern side and we came over to the Seattle area and we were just setting up the house. We just got our, you know, our packages delivered from our move. I was 5 months pregnant. So everything was in utter chaos and my husband needed to take a business trip to California and he's like are you sure and I'm like yeah it's fine I probably won't get anything done but just go and you know you've got this new job now you really need to play the part and so he left on that business trip and one of the nights that he was gone I woke up in the middle of the night being pregnant and needed to go to the bathroom of and course. I actually collapsed on the floor and I blacked out and I came to pretty quickly, but I was paralyzed. Like I actually couldn't move. I was frozen on the floor. I had fallen face first. So I was on my tummy, which I mean, this was baby number three. So he was already, you know, grown and, and strong inside of me. And I started obviously to panic. And then, you know, and then you kind of go through those stages where you are, you know, you're kind of asking, and then you're crying, and then you're begging, and then you're demanding, you know, and I I wasn't talking to anyone, I couldn't even talk, but just kind of mentally to the universe, I was negotiating, I'm like, I will be a better person, I won't yell at my children, just get me off this floor. And it was hours. So um, there was a clock exactly where my head was pointed. So even though I couldn't really open my eyes, like through this tiny little slit, I could see the time. So I fell around two or I came to around two. And then it wasn't until seven (gasps) that this burning started to happen. So I felt the burning first and then the spinning started. My eyes could blink and I was getting like these pink neon flashes, which I've never had before. I've never had any hallucinations before. Like to me, it was freaky. And all I could think of was, I'm still on this baby. So as soon as I had the strength to push myself up off the floor, I cleaned up, I went to the bathroom, you know, I got all the stuff. I woke up the kids. And I said, we're going to the hospital. And it didn't occur to me to call 911. I just kind of tossed them in the van. And we drove to this hospital. Oh, yeah, because... If that happened again, in the right? Car. Oh
0: my gosh. How old didn't even
1: occur. Yeah, four and two. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: Didn't even occur to me. I was just like, I have to, you know, like you just don't even yeah. think. You just yeah. go. And so I typed in the GPS, you know, hospital, because I mean, we had only been here two months. I didn't even know where that was. Mm. And we got down there, and they were pretty surprised that I was in the shape that I was in. But the baby turned out to be okay. And they then started to do some testing as much as they could while i was pregnant and then when michael was born in july that intensified significantly so you know i was admitted to a hospital for epilepsy treatment and some sort of triage stuff and i was there for 3 days and they kept trying to trigger a seizure well i don't have epilepsy so it was torture beyond torture and oh. then they were like you know maybe it's menieres disease or i think you have vestibular disorder i think there's an ear canal thing i think you might have a brain tumor i think you might have so I bounced around from doctor to doctor until November. And it was a week before my birthday, my birthday that year in 2006 fell on Thanksgiving Day. And so it was the week before that and I was called back into the hospital and I met with my neurologist and her team and I walked in and there was a, you know, a bunch of people sitting at a table and you know, I remember it just being a long skinny table and I remember walking in thinking, oh my God, is this flash dance? <laughs> you know, am I going to start dancing now? Am I, you know, Jennifer Beals are going to whip out my, my like warmers. Cause it was just so intimidating, you know, oh, this no. long skinny table with these people on the other side. And so my neurologist put up all my scans on the light box and she was just pointing out what they had collected, the data they had collected over the past eight months, you know, different blood works, you know, the cardiologist report, the you know, the EMT report, like everybody's report was in there. And I don't remember exactly what she kind of got to, but she was really being very calm and like very calm, like super calm. And I just remember thinking, this feels really, you know, very somber. Like I'm not quite sure why it feels so somber. And then she just held my hand and she said, I think you need to go get your affairs in order. We don't know what you have, but looking at the data, we're going to tell you that we think you have five years to live. Oh my god! And oh I just—I mean—I get goosebumps just thinking about it again. And I just thought, but they didn't know
0: minute. what it was. Mm-hmm. But they just—oh no. my no. god! That's—I cr- love how you like went from like flash dance, right? <laughs> you were like. <laughs> Yeah, you ever I was like, hands to five years to live." That's
1: yeah, I was just like, "Finally, they're going to tell me what this is." Right? I walked in with the absolute expectation that they were going to give me a name on a piece of paper, and I was going to go Google it, and I was going to go take some vitamin, and I would be fine. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the case at all. They did give me a stack of papers, and they were prescriptions for diseases I didn't have. Right? So I did end up taking medication for epilepsy, I took medication for Parkinson's, I took medication for, you know, all these really random things, because they didn't know. And they just said, we have to do something, we want to do something. And I said, Uh, but, but if I don't have these things, you know, what will it do to me? And they just said, just take it. And I did, you know, I, I had things I had to inject, I had things I had to swallow, I had things I had to rub, you know, I had all the things. And you know, without a doubt, I got sicker and sicker and sicker. And it's really, there's no question, the question
0: why. <laughs> did, you, did you have, did anything happen? Do you have any symptoms of anything in between that time after the the fall and the paralysis?
1: I did. So things started happening. So a couple of things that were really common were I was slurring all the time. Oh. Like I would just be in the middle of a sentence like I am right now. And then all of us, you know, and it was just like, whoa. I was forgetting words and I'm a writer and you know, my training is in journalism So for me to be forgetting words is kind of a big deal, right? It's you know, I was losing the way to put a sentence together So I was sounding a little bit like yoda sometimes and people you know, my kids thought it was hilarious my you know at that time my Four-year-old was like, oh my gosh, you're so funny and I knew I was not being funny. It wasn't you know dinner you like it was. <laughs> <laughs> Nuggets for everyone, you know, it was just, I, I knew what was happening. I could feel, it. you know, my eyes were changing. I had these, I still had the pink neon flashes. I was getting dizzy. I was weak, you know, like I lost feeling in my hands. I had like shots of electrical currents kind of going down my face. So, you know, when sometimes you have your eye twitching and you're like, "Ooh, that's kind of weird. Like my whole face would do that. Oh. And then I just had this sensation of bugs crawling on me. And I went to the doctor a number of times, like my own primary care doctor. And at one point it was at the end of the summer and I thought I was losing my mind. And I just walk in and I was, you know, I have three kids with me and I'm a sobbing hot mess of crazy. And I'm like, find the lice," And she's like, what? I'm like, I'm not kidding anymore. I'm not joking around. You have got to find them. I can't stop. And so... She was digging in my hair, and she's like, Leanne, I don't see anything. And I, I was screaming. I'm like, look harder. You're not looking hard enough. <laughs> and she's like, what does it feel like? And I said, it feels like they're walking through my head with concrete boots. And she's like, Leanne, that's not what lice feels like. And I was like, what? <laughs> and she's like, lice is just an itchy sensation. If you're feeling like motion, that's nerve. Like you are feeling some, you know, there's some nerves that are being involved and there's like a trigger going down like a ladder, like something is falling down a step ladder, And I was like, oh, so there was just lots of weird things like that, that nobody, I mean, nobody knows what that is. You can't Google that. Yeah. And so when I presented all of these things over time, you know, I would see the next doctor. I'm like, hey, I've got these bugs in my hair, but they're not really there. You know, what do you think it is? And they're like, well, let's check your circulation in your feet. And I'm like, okay, let's do that. So it was really a quilt of, you know, medical experimentation. And so I did have symptoms of all kinds, new things, things that started and stopped, things that were ongoing. And it just kept adding to the to the stew of what this was, which at the end, 12 years later, they still don't know. Wow. Holy. Yeah.
0: That's so weird. Oh my God. I know. There's so many, there's (laughs) like like crazy stuff going on and we really know so much less than we think we know. Right. Wow. Yeah. It was... We are supported by Melon Headwear. These hats are perfect for Father's Day. They are built to be in and around water. They last five times longer than any other hat. They're naturally antimicrobial properties. It doesn't, sweat doesn't break down the hat. No sweat stains, no smell ever. It's built for the water. We tested it tubing on the Brandywine River and it was fabulous. It even floats when it drops in the water. It doesn't lose shape. It is amazing. an incredible comfortable fit. Use code MINDFUL at checkout for 30% off your order. If you're trying to figure out a Father's Day gift, honestly, trust me, this is exactly what they want. Go to melon.com, that's M-E-L-I-N.com, and use the code MINDFUL at checkout for 30% off. Melon rarely offers discounts, so don't miss this opportunity. It is, I swear, the perfect Father's Day gift. Premium headwear, melon.com, use the code MINDFUL for 30% off. We are sponsored by MIDI Health. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, vaginal dryness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. All of these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around perimenopause and menopause, and the experts at MIDI Health understand what you're experiencing and how to help. Midi clinicians are menopause experts dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions. MidiCare is covered by insurance, and with Midi Health, you can stop pushing through it all alone. Schedule a virtual visit to discuss your symptoms and health background in depth. You'll come out of the experience feeling heard and with a plan to start feeling better. You deserve to feel great book your virtual visit at joinmidi.com. That's join, com. Joinmidi.com. Right, and do you don't have, do you have symptoms anymore?
1: Oh, I do. Yeah, I definitely do. I mean, I think a couple of the things that happened at that time, you know, which I love the name of your podcast, because I had to become mindful. I had mm. to choose to live. At some point, I was... Dying, right? I mean, I was taking medication for diseases I didn't have. I was, you know, becoming a shell of a person. I was becoming a mother that I would never even want to wish on my enemy's children. You know, I was angry and irritated and I was just always on edge and I was frustrated and I was angry that I was dying. You know, I mean, it was just all as a person I was sad, but as a mother I was aggravated by, you know, the little noises and the messes and mommy can I have another glass of water and it was just pushing me all over the place. And so I decided, well, actually, I didn't decide. What happened was my husband had asked his mother to come down and help out because I was really struggling. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And there was a a moment where my daughter asked for a cheese string. And I was like, yeah, I can totally get you a cheese string. Why don't you bring it to me? And so she was trying to open it and she couldn't. She's like, mommy, I really can't open it. And I'm like, it's fine. You know, you're three. I can do this for you. And the two parts of the plastic that come together were fused. But at that time, I didn't know it. And so I'm trying to open it. And I'm like, where's the opening? And I'm trying to pull. And then I'm twisting it a little. And I'm squeezing it a little. And she's like, mommy, I can do it. I'm like, no, 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 I've got it and I'm working it, and I'm twisting it, and I'm squeezing it, and I'm, I can feel myself getting hot, and I feel myself failing at opening this yeah. cheese string. Like, it's I like can't...
0: the test of everything. It is. <laughs> it,
1: it was the absolute test of my abilities as a mom, oh. as a person, as a provider, and my mother-in-law was watching. And so I am just like, I can do this. And she's like, here, give it to me. I'm like, no, 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 I've got it. And then my daughter's like, mommy, I don't actually want cheese anymore. I'm like, you're getting the <laughs> cheese string. You just wait <laughs> you a moment.
0: This effing you
1: are eating this. <laughs> and I'm twisting it and I'm squeezing it and it's getting warmer and it's melting in my hands and I'm working it and I'm working it and I couldn't take it. And she's like, mommy, I don't want the cheese string. And my mother-in-law's like, Leanne, well, yeah, give me the cheese string. And I was like, stop. And I put the cheese string on the counter. I grabbed a cleaver. And I chopped it in half. And this thing flew in both directions. Oh and I looked down at my daughter's face and she was mortified. Oh my God. And she ran away crying. And I was like, oh my God, Nicole, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, and then I just literally collapsed on the floor. I was a horrific monster. Like she is never going to remember about this cheese, but she is going to remember in that moment. She sees her crazy mother wielding this cleaver. <laughs> and I just started to cry. And I went out for a walk in my neighborhood and we live at the bottom of this pretty steep hill. So me huffing it up the hill was effort. And I was hot and I was sweaty. And I was still hot and sweaty from the cheese string problem. But I was like, this is not happening. This is not my life. This is not how the story ends. This is not okay. Okay. And, you know, neighbors kind of push their children in the house and I'm storming up the street, <laughs> screaming my head off like a lunatic. Oh
0: my gosh. Run and away was, from the crazy
1: mother. It was. It was like, oh my gosh, do not go to the bottom of the hill. That crazy woman <laughs> lives there. And I just huffed it up the hill and I, you know, went down the hill again. I went back up the hill like I just needed to get it out. You know, I just had to get it out. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, I was exhausted. I was totally spent and depleted. I went to bed and I just fell asleep. And when I woke up, I threw out every medication in my house, like Mm -hmm. everything from eye drops and Tylenol all the way to the hardcore stuff that I had. Everything went and I just decided I was going to sleep. I was going to eat clean. I was going to start yoga. I was going to do whatever my body needed to get through this because this was not me. And I slowly started to rebuild. And, you know, there were definite bumps in the road. Like I chose to lie on the floor and play Legos with my kids for hours on end. And I didn't do dishes for days, you know, and my husband would come home from work and he'd be like, Hey, Leanne, any chance that laundry might happen this week? And I'm like, Nope. (laughs) Nope. Laundry is not on my list because I really didn't care. That didn't matter. And I said, if you need to hire someone, if you need to do it, if you need to train the children, whatever you need to do, I'm not doing it. I am taking care of me. And it was a really bumpy ride because no one in my family had experienced the mother going on strike. And I think this would be the case in most families. Like, I think we don't recognize how much we carry of the you know, the invisible load of work. Yeah. And when I just stopped doing it, things were falling apart. So mm-hmm. I slowly stepped into a little bit and I'm like, you know what, I'll do this, but I'm not doing that. I definitely trained the kids. We got hardcore on chores in the house. And then we just grew from there. And I really decided what is going to fill this family with so much love that if I die, that will be what they remember. They won't remember the cleaver and the cheese string. They won't remember the crying and the fighting. They won't remember all the agitation. They will remember the love and the fun. Mm -hmm. And so we definitely brought things into our family at that point. Um, Traveling being one of them. I was seeing five everywhere. You know, when somebody tells you something like a tarot card reader or a doctor, it really plants this seed deep inside of you. And then you see that everywhere you know like once you hear something you go find evidence so i was looking and there was five everywhere so it felt like the universe was mocking me a little bit that i had 5 years to live and i'm like this is not okay i got to change this up were you counting so I,
0: down in your head oh
1: i had a calendar like yeah. i was crossing off days i to my birthday of that fifth year i thought oh, you know that was the end of the road right like that is the day that i will die and it was terrifying and i cram- i lived life like someone on some crazy upper drugs like i was packing it all in i was dragging the kids from you know sun up to sundown cramming in museums and zoos and <laughs> park visits and doing crafts in between i mean it was exhausting but i didn't want to miss anything and then i slowed down so mm. that was a huge gift and it probably saved me. You know, I think becoming mindful of the life that I wanted, the legacy I wanted to leave them, and the lessons I wanted them to grow up with saved me and saved our family. Wow. So with the number five, I transformed that to be 50. And I'm like, I'm gonna live to be 50. I was 35 when I was undiagnosed. And I said, so 50 was a huge leap in the future for me. I thought 15 years, like, that's awesome. And then I'm like, how am I going to stay busy and distracted? Because then all I'm going to think about is I'll die at 50. (laughs) So I decided single-handedly, I didn't talk to my husband, which was probably a mistake. But I said, we're going to travel the world and I'm going to visit 50 countries before I turn 50. And that's a very expensive thing with five people in your family. Yeah, that's <laughs> So I didn't think about that, but we're still doing it. I mean, we just got back from Belize a couple of days ago and that was country 47. Oh my God, you're yeah. almost there. I know, I'm almost there and I'm 47 years old. So oh. I have three more years oh. to get to So I'm clearly gonna, 2019, I will get to my 50. And now I'm like, you know what? 65 by 65. Like I cannot let this non-illness, illness, drive my life any longer. So I really, I live fully, I live wholefully, I live mindfully. And and I think those are the lessons as a mom that I needed to fully integrate so that I could teach that to my kids because they are better people in the world because I got sick. You know, not that I was raising little hooligans before, but, you know, we talk a lot about center and grounding and peace and you know compromise and forgiveness and things i know we didn't talk about before but now it's it's very common we talk about angels and we talk about you know just the happenstances of the universe when things happen coincidentally and they're not really coincidences you know what does that mean and what are the patterns that you know that we're trying to learn in this lesson and it's a very very different conversation so i'm strangely fully blessed that I was given this diagnosis. And if they had said to me, hey, you know, you've got this thing, just take it easy, go have these vitamins, you know, I probably wouldn't have completely 180'd my life.
0: Mm -hmm. But them
1: telling me, you have five years, get it in order, do whatever you want to do, because the countdown's starting. I was like, oh man, I am not wasting a moment
0: Wow! Wow! I mean, that yeah, that's the like gift of some intense life events like that, and even like you know, f- for the listener, like if you're listening to Leanne's story, and you're like, oh, I wish I could do some of those things, like be more centered, like stop being angry and irritated and frustrated, and and like pre-string cheese. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. Leanne was, you know. <laughs> Take, take from this story, take some of that motivation. Like, look at, I mean, truly for any of us, the truth is that life is impermanent and life can right. end for any of us tomorrow. And it seems right. like it sounds so morbid to say that, but I think mm-hmm. that's like that memento mori, that reminder of death is so helpful for me mm-hmm. to say, oh, like, don't take it for granted you know, do what's most important, like take care of what's most important, whether that's being a good parent for your kids. And then also like, and there's so much in what you said that I relate with and want to bring to the forefront. And just the idea of that, where you said, you know, you had this strike, mother on strike, and you said you have to take care of you. And you had this incredible incident and motivation to kind of drive you to this moment, but it's the same at a different degree for everyone. Like we're also miserable, crappy parents mm-hmm. and people to be around when we're not taking care of us and our kids feel that. And like, yeah, maybe it means like F the laundry. yeah, <laughs> And, yeah, you know, and we can take that and say, what is most important? Like, you know, if you're gonna die tomorrow, what is most important? If you're gonna die in x number of days, what is most important? I mean, I had a good friend in college. I loved him so much. He was like this real tall, heavy black guy with long dreads. He was so beautiful. He smiled all the time. And I think maybe we met swing dancing. i couldn't can't remember, but he was great. My friend Reggie. And he would, like, take me and, like, swing me around his body and through his legs swing dancing. (laughs) Like, it was awesome. And he, like, laughed more than anyone I knew. And they watched funny movies all the time. And I was, like, this angsty college Mm. kid, right? And then he died in his 20s. But. When I went to his funeral, which was like overflowing, like it was this just, just thousand, you know, probably like a thousand plus people there, because mm-hmm. he was so full of love and so full of life. I found out that when he was young, like when he was sixteen, he was given six months to live, oh. and he lived. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, he lived life. It yeah. really reminds me of your story, like the. Yeah, I'm sure you went through all that, the you know, the anger and the mm-hmm. frustration and the denial and,
1: mm-hmm. <sighs> and I would have probably sold my husband, you know, I was negotiating all the time and I was just like, Oh, if you just let me live another year, if you just give me a little bit more time and if you just make sure that I can see this. And it was really exhausting and stressful, you know, but on the flip side, now that I'm, you know, twelve years later, it was um it was a gift for sure, but it was, you know, it was a gift for me as a person in this world to to decide who I wanted to be in this world. But as a parent and as kind of a leader in the family, it was really a blessing so that I could decide what kind of family I wanted. Because if I were to die at any point, I wanted them to already be on the path that I wanted them to continue on. So, Yeah, not your mother in law. <laughs> Not my mother-in-law's path, for sure. I mean, I love my husband. I love my mother-in-law. Don't get me wrong. It's just, you know, I am not culturally from where they're from. So it always just strikes me as just very different from me. You know, I feel very bohemian and and gypsy in my upbringing and that wasn't their experience. So there's just always that little bit of like, oh, that feels so rigid when I'm sure it's totally normal to other people. I'm just way too far on the other side of that spectrum. But, But what a beautiful thing to decide...
0: Yeah, you want to be in this world? To make a clear decision about what my family is going to be like and to use your influence for those powers of good, right? To get yeah. control of that one thing you have some control over, right? Is like right. The aspects of ourself and to leverage those in such a way that you can really cultivate that, mm. you know, that grounding, cooperation, listening, all those beautiful things you're talking about. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um. and I think that's how you know, the seeds for the five seasons of connection actually got planted because I had to sit often. Well, I did sit often because I was, you know, dizzy and in pain and all those things. So I often sat. And in those moments, I would think, what does my family need right now? Like, what, what guidance would we want? What would we want our map to say? If I was looking at a map of where we want to go, where would I want you know, where would I want to be headed and how would I want to be headed there? And what would I want to pack for that journey? And so there was a lot of reflection on getting my family to move like as a as a tribe, you know, like as a little tribe to where we all wanted to go because we were starting to get into the teen years. My oldest was becoming a teen and, you know, families get a little bit fractured and energies shift and, you know, kids start becoming who they need to become And that definitely pushes against the little unit that you've had them be a part of while they were little, Mm -hmm. right? So that you have to stretch the space of your family so that they can step out a little bit further from that, from that center. And that challenged us a lot because I was surviving on a very clear set of rules that I understood and I designed so that it would make sure that it brought out the best in me and the best in the kids but when they started pushing against that we had to shift and so the five what seasons were the of rules what were the yeah rules I mean that it
0: w- supported you before that
1: yeah I mean we had you know they were all if I mean if you think back to preschool and kindergarten it was a lot of things like that you know if you were you know you held a talking stick if you wanted to talk mm-hmm. and we sat in a circle and we solved problems together you know, we took turns. And if there was ever any conflict, we drew pictures, or we got Play-Doh, or we, you know, we built something while we talked about it, like it was just very child centered. Mm -hmm. And as you can imagine, having a 13 or 14 year old in the house, that's not going to be how they want to solve things. (laughs) So, you know, they were outgrowing my little world. And I had to shift with that. And so I just started to think about some of the strategies that I had used to make sure that we had a really calm, environment and say, how can I, how can I make that age appropriate for them? And so I really started to design a way that I could honor who they were becoming. My daughter, who's two years younger than my son, was actually more of a teenager than my older son was. You know, I mean, even though she wasn't even 11, she was still very Mm teenager-like. So I had to get on this program quickly. So the five seasons of Connection, I didn't call it that at first. I just, you know, I just called it the five seasons. And I was like, oh, oh, I feel this now. I feel it now. I can feel it because I really was very tactile in my, you know, I had to touch things. I couldn't remember everything. So everything had to be written down. I used colors to organize myself. Like everything was very childlike in those first initial years of recovery. And so I just kind of thought, how can I make that accessible for my whole family? And so I really just tied it into the seasons because it was something we all knew. It's something we understood. And I started to use some of this new language that was coming into my mind. And and they just got it. They got it. It was clear. It was simple. And I'm like, okay, so this is how it's going to be now. We're going to talk. And if there's conflict, which there was umpteen opportunities, you know, for conflict resolution and negotiation and compromise in our family at the time, We talked about it using the season strategy, right? So I would say, ooh, that's, I'm feeling really chilly. You know, when I hear you guys talking about about each other that way, can we, how can we warm that up a bit, you know? And so I just started to trickle in a little bit of this language and it evolved into this whole philosophy. Are you frustrated with parenting? Do you want to practice
0: conscious, compassionate parenting, but you don't know how? It's not easy and there's no roadmap for this until now. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, creator of the Mindful Parenting course, and I know how frustrating it is because I've been there. I struggled as a young mom, and when I found myself yelling and triggered by my child, I knew there had to be a better way, and there is. Mindful Parenting is different from other parenting trainings. They don't tell you that all of that good advice is as good as useless when our internal stress response is triggered. Mindful parenting teaches you research-based tools and practices to reduce your stress response so that you can respond rather than react. And it teaches you exactly what to say so that you can create willing cooperation from your child. You can learn more and enroll at mindfulparentingcourse.com and you can join us for a free live training coming up soon where you'll learn why your kids don't listen to you, how your brain undermines your parenting, and how to create cooperative kids without losing your temper. Sign up now at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. I'll see you there.
4: you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
0: All right. So what are the five seasons? Because I think most of us know there are four seasons. Exactly. (laughs) There are four seasons.
1: So in the five season world, winter is the disconnection that we feel, the isolation Mm -hmm. that we feel. And so this can be used in any interaction with anyone, but in this particular case, it is about kids. So all of this is in the framework of your family as a parent to a child. So when you are isolated or disconnected, if you are fighting, if there's conflict, if there's eye rolling and bags slamming and door banging, and all of that is winter, Mm -hmm. right? That is where you are in those moments. And then You work your way through spring, and spring is where you have a little bit of rebirth. You plant some seeds for what you want to harvest later on. So, spring is really the systems driver of the program. And in spring, we have spring cleaning, like we do in life, although not as much in my house as I'm sure my family would like. But in spring cleaning, we really kind of check all the things that we're doing. We have you know, family meetings, and we check in on how everyone's doing. We look at our calendar, how you know how is our time being spent? What are our priorities? We really just recalibrate our living, right? And that is the driver of all of our of our existence, right? Like where does everyone need to be? What does everyone need to have? You know, how does everyone get where they need to be going? So that's just really the meat of of the mm-hmm. seasons. And then when you have those systems in place, when you have that structure, you're able to enjoy summer. And of course, summer, I know everyone in the world does not enjoy summer the way it is in my mind, but Mm -hmm. summer is just that quintessential, happy, easy, bright, you know, connected, laughing, joyful time. Mm -hmm. It is where love can be felt. You know, it is where love is seen in how we treat each other and how we respond. It really is that best place, and it could look different for every family, but you know your best place with your kids, and that is your summer. Hmm. What happens in summer what I've noticed happens with my family, with other families that I've coached, is that they get a little bit complacent in summer. They're just like, oh, we don't need to worry about that. Oh, no, (laughs) I'm not going to worry about that, Bill. Or I'm not going to respond to that party RSVP right now. I'm just going to let that slide because I'm in summer, I'm happy. And then weeds start to pop up in your garden, right? Uh And the weeds are an indication that you're going to be going into fall if you don't check your garden. If you aren't paying attention to your garden, the weeds will pop up. And that is the indication that fall is coming. So everyone will be fine. And then you might just say to your child, you need to get that room cleaned up. And it just Uh lands a little bit sharp. Uh So in summer, they might not quite catch the sharpness. They'll be like, yeah, I'll get to it. Don't worry, mom. I'm going to go to the, you know, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. Everything's great. But when you're entering fall and the weeds are popping up a bit, they will feel that sharpness. Mm. And then they'll be like, I don't have time for that. You know, I've got friends, I've got this, I've got homework, I'm not doing, you know, and then you're like, whoa, wait a minute, no, Missy, you are not going anywhere, you know, and that then leads you back to the fall and possibly winter, depending on how that interaction ends up. So the fifth Mm -hmm. season is where the power lies. And the fifth season I call the crossroads because when that door gets slammed or those eyes are rolling or you know the bickering is starting, you really have to stand there and you have to choose. Am I going to lead my child back to summer and say, hey babe, what's going on? Did, you know, did something happen at school today? Or are you going to jump into winter and say, you do not slam that door like that, young lady. You do not come into this house and drop your bag. You've got a laptop in there and it's going to break and I'm not going to pay for it, blah, blah, blah. Right? So you stand at that crossroads and you choose. Am I choosing connection or am I going down the road of disconnection? And there are times that I literally say to myself, Leanne, you know this is a winter path. And I'll say, yes, Leanne, I know. But this cannot slide. I have to go down this road and so I'll say okay how can I bring some summer with me how can I bring some sunshine I don't want to be the blizzard that I know I could be because I found out that they were lying or you know they were bullying someone or they hurt someone's feelings and Mm -hmm. you know it hit a hot button for me so I have to check myself but standing at the crossroads and taking that pause taking that mindful moment and saying how do I want this interaction to go And where do I want to end up at the end of it? When we get through this interaction, do I want to feel disconnected or do I want to be close with my kid? Do I want to be like, yeah, you know what? It's okay. I know I've had hard days too. But when you come home and you slam the door and you drop your bag, it kind of sets off for me something, right? So is there something that we can do? Like, can I take you right to the pool and you can go exercise? Or, you know, do you want to start blasting the music? Like, what do you need to cope with your stress? Because we don't want our kids not to experience stress and we don't want them to not be angry. Like the, the five seasons is not designed to create this fake artificial world where everyone is going around with unicorns and lollipops. It really is to honor the full experience, but we want to kind of shorten and de-intensify the winter time so that the kids don't stay there that long and we don't stay there that long. Yes, we need need to
0: feel them, right. They need us to teach them how to cope with stress. I mean, that is like one of the most, the number one skills that you could ever learn in your life. And, you know, just like they learn how to load the dishwasher, they need to learn from us how to cope with
1: stress. I think it's one of those things that has been lost in you know, the generational slit. And I noticed, I was a teacher for many years, and I noticed it changing. I noticed that kids could not deal with frustration, or they could not be given feedback, even if it was sandwiched with love and served with happiness. If there was any criticism in there, it just cut them to the core. And it was just, they didn't know how to find their resilient self right? They didn't know how to dig out and say, I'm going to get this feedback and I'm going to grow from it. So being in winter is probably one of the more powerful seasons you could be in because it is there that you feel the feelings and you decide, okay, I want to get to spring. What are the coping mechanisms and the tools that I need in spring to pull me out of winter, right? So you use spring as a, a springboard to kind of launch you back to where you want to be. And it's not instantaneous and it doesn't necessarily happen. You know, all the family leaps forward together. I mean, there are many times in my own family, where I have multiple seasons in one moment. you know, I've got a summer relationship with my daughter and my oldest and I are like, mm, I don't know, it's a little bit itchy, I'm not sure, we're kind of in fall and then it's dead on winter with the little one, right? And so you have to navigate this as a parent but once you have this framework and you have the language, you're like, oh, I know what this is. Mm-hmm. And so I have in spring, in my spring cleaning toolkit, I know what tools I can use to navigate each of these seasons with my kids separately. And hopefully we all end up to summer together. But if we don't, it's okay because I know how to do this it doesn't make you feel disempowered, right? It really is very empowering. Well, for me, it is. I (laughs) I hope it is for other people. (laughs) And I love the idea
0: of planting seeds. You know, my teacher, the Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh talks about Mm. watering seeds and we must water our seeds like a a good farmer. And like a a good farmer, we know that we need compost, right? We need Mm -hmm. those challenges. We need that this shit, right? We need yeah. that, and that we need that to to grow a flower. And we can also right. selectively water. We can water the seeds of mindfulness. We can water the seeds of compassion, and we can mm-hmm. choose not to water the seeds of all the things that you know pop up very easily. I love this framework, Leanne. Um, oh, thank you. It's really beautiful, <laughs> and I love the idea of the crossroads because. That's a beautiful way of thinking about it. Am I going to leave my child back to summer or am I going down the road of disconnection? And what you're pointing to is helping people be mindful of Mm -hmm. their language, right? Like when we're connecting, we, you know, that communication, am I going to be thoughtful and Mm -hmm. skillful about my communication or am I going to let the words of my, are disconnecting and that maybe, you know, I grew up with. Come out of my mouth, right? So it's kind of pointing to that mindfulness and skillful communication. You're pointing right to those two things which are at the heart of mindful parenting.
1: Exactly. No, I absolutely think you're right. And I think, you know, we can even take it one layer further deeper. And that is that our thoughts become our words, right? So, Mm -hmm. yes, we have our communication. But, you know, what happened for me and what was happening for me, which is part of why I created this system, just to kind of keep all my stuff straight in my head, because I wanted to be a better parent, is I was reacting and I was, I was responding because Leanne was upset or Leanne was triggered or Leanne was getting you know something was being touched in me that brought me back to when I was a child or you mm-hmm. know an an instance where I had been disenfranchised or I had been hurt and so it wasn't Leanne as the mom it was Leanne as the person and so I reacted like some you know lioness in some jungle you know and and it really it really helped me understand what is in my backpack, right? So I kind of think of life as a journey. And so I have a backpack with me and I think what's in my backpack? Like, what am I packing for this journey as I'm going through these seasons? What's in there that's super heavy right now? So the kid, you know, maybe one of my kids just lied to me and I, and I know they lied to me because I know the truth and they're, you know, they're trying to avoid getting in trouble or something. They just put in my backpack this massive boulder of their lie. And so it became very heavy and hard for me to ignore. And so I kind of lashed out at them, being like, don't you dare lie to me, I know that you know what the truth is. And, and because the backpack felt so heavy, all of a sudden, I kind of crumbled under the weight of that, of that hot button issue. And so being aware of what their actions were creating in me, and then thinking, where did that come from? Like, is this a belief you know, money doesn't grow on trees, Leanne, you know, as a child, I would hear that all the time. So when my kids are like, Oh, I, I lost $5 at the store, but it doesn't matter. Like, I'm sure someone else will pick it up and they're going to be happy. It doesn't matter. Like I'll get more. And so my initial reaction is oh, money doesn't grow on trees, daughter. But then it's like, you know what, actually, you're right. Someone will find it. And let's get you a little purse and let's keep the purse attached to your napsack. You know, like, let's be mm-hmm. proactive about solving this. But when she first was like, ah, it doesn't matter. I lost money. It doesn't matter. That set off something in me pretty deep. And it was not about me as a parent. It was about me as a person. And so when we decouple our person-ness with our momness, we're able to get a little bit deeper because when we react to our kids and some of these hot button issues, it really isn't about where they are right now and where we are right now. It really brings us back to another time and another place. And we have to understand that and be super self-aware so that we can not have that carry the, you know, the importance that it did at the time, but it may not now. Like my son doesn't need to know that, you know, I was hurt in some unrelated way 25 years ago. And that's why I carry this, you know, this grudge in my life. And so he just tipped it off. And now I'm a crazy person. He wants me in this moment being the mom that he wants me to be. And so it's my job to kind of decouple my experiences and just glean from it what I can so that I can bring the best of myself to them, but also get a deeper understanding of my experiences and how it got me where I am.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That self-awareness, is like, you know, taking your stuff, your baggage and carrying it yourself. And rather than kind of passing it on, you know, is is this true? Is this real? You know, that questioning of those things that takes time, energy, and space. So there's gotta be a lot of self-care that happens. And I'm wondering kind of before we wrap up, I know we've got to go. We had some some technical issues, but in the beginning, but I'm imagining that there's a lot of self-care that has happens in your life for you to have these levels of self-awareness and and to be able to be this person that you're, you know, you're choosing to be, right? Like to decide who you want to be in this world. What does that look like in your life?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's different layers of it, right? So there's kind of the daily layer of how am I serving, you know, my immediate needs, my physical needs and my emotional needs. But then there's a little bit of the relational requirements, like am I feeling fulfilled in the relationships in my life? Am I getting from my friends and giving to my friends, you know, enough love and, you know, compassion and comradeship so that I can feel fulfilled. So when I look at my life, it really is, and I have this in the book, like I have a wheel of wellness and it just really identifies seven different categories and I just kind of pay attention to those. So if I'm feeling something in particular, if I'm feeling itchy in some way, I really stop and I'm like, okay, what is that? Well, you know, this person said this mean thing to me. Okay, well, what did that, you know, what did that trigger? I'm hungry. Am I thirsty? You know, am I sleepy? Am I am I stressed out? Do I need a shower? It's been two days and, you know, I haven't felt like I could wash away the sins of the world. And, you know, what is it that it needs? So I think it's a constant evolution of what works for each person.
0: Yeah.
1: But I know that I know that the women that I work with are chronically undercared for like they're chronically un unserved underserved and and that makes me sad because illnesses happen when we are when we are depleted and stressors and chronic inflammation happen when our bodies are not taken care of and you know we start feeling differently when our mind is not taken care of so i think my message of the five seasons is really Get to know you and what you need. Get to know your child and what that child needs. And then the communication piece is the seasons, right? Those are the bridges to each other because it isn't just that you have to be the best mom you can be. It really is are you in a personal winter? You know, when I was going through my brain crash, that was a personal winter. It's certainly not the only winter I've been in in my life. You know, my. Mother has been recently diagnosed with diabetes. I fell into a winter hole. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. And so, winter happens in a million ways, but now that I have language for it and I have this spring cleaning toolbox, I'm like, oh, wait a minute here. I need to add some more tools to this because I hadn't faced this winter before. And now that I'm facing it, I need to add some more tools. So, it really is this ever evolving list of things that work for me. And I have some of these outlined in the book, but certainly part of our job as people is to find what should go in our own toolboxes. Like nothing is is more dissatisfying than going online and seeing, oh my gosh, this person is, you know, doing yoga and green juice cleansing and trying it and feeling awful, <laughs> you know, because that's not what you actually need. You might actually need to, you know, get exercise and, you I don't know, whatever. Sleep more. Go or to Belize. Something. Yeah. Go to Belize, you know, travel more. Have some fun. I mean, yeah. Everybody needs different things at different times. And I need different things today than I needed a year ago. And I hope yeah. that in another year I will have evolved to need new things. Right. And I know that's the same for you. If you and I met again at BizChicks this coming November, I know we will be different people, right? Because we're feeding ourselves differently. We know more about ourselves and we're able to understand mm-hmm. what we need the trick is are we giving ourselves what we need mm-hmm. that's yeah. the key and yeah. so if we're not giving ourselves what we need then we can't grow and we can't be the best that we can be and we're not modeling the best for our kids to be their best because they're not seeing that we value our body our minds our spirits our you know our professional development our personal development so they're not going to know to make those investments in themselves so it's really, it's generational, it's cyclical, and it's super important.
0: Mm, Leanne, I could probably talk to you so much longer. <laughs> we really have to have you come back on the I time. would love um, that. <laughs> but how can people find out more about uh, what you're doing and find the book and all of that?
1: Yeah. So the book is going to be coming out at the beginning of February. It's being sent to the printer next week. So I'm very excited about that. And I'm launching a new website to support it. It's going to be the five seasons of So you can certainly go there. And yeah, I mean, I think, I think that will be a great place to find me. That's
0: wonderful. Leanne, thank you for sharing your story and for your, the spirit and the heart so clearly bring to this work and what you're doing to, to help moms and to help families and the ripple effects I know are huge. So thank you so much for, for doing what you're doing.
1: Oh, thank you, Hunter. It was an honor to be here. I love talking to you. And, you know, actually, I was having some things come through on my email about this appointment. And every time I saw it, my blood pressure went down. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna talk to Hunter. This is great. Oh, mindful mama. Okay, this is yeah, I need am I am I being mindful today? So it's just it's interesting that we don't even know the rip you know, you don't know the ripple that you have created for me in just automatic email reminders about this appointment, you know. And it was just it actually made me check myself in those moments. So I mean, our hope, I know this is the same for you and I, that we can make a positive impact in this world and help people on their journeys but if this podcast reaches anyone I would love to hear you know that the five seasons has been a tool that works for your family and how it has made an impact I think that would be really cool because we don't always know how our you know how our words or how our thinking or how our messages get out there but yeah if there's any circle back that would be awesome yeah
0: yay yay time yay. to plant
1: some seeds plant All some right. seeds <laughs> thanks so much Lincoln <laughs> thanks Hunter. Take care.
0: Wow. Doesn't Leanne have an amazing story? Uh, It just, that whole thing just blows me away. It's amazing. You know, so what would you do, right? What would you do if you only had five years to live? How would you focus on? And I think for me, you know, I would focus on what is most important and what is more important than our relationships. And that's why I've created the Mindful Parenting course and a registration is about to open and you can join it. And when you join, it's like joining a lifetime membership because you have lifetime access to all the coaching calls, which is amazing. So if you are irritable, if you are frustrated, if you want to know how to talk so that you can create willing cooperation from your children, join us. Invest in your family and yourself and the things that you really care most about, right? Do that for yourself. Do that for your family. You know, if I only had five years to live, that would be most important to me. I don't know. But anyway, check it out. Go learn more at mindfulparentingcourse.com. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. And I have one spot's already been taken, but I have... Five, four remaining spots in the Mindful Parenting Accelerator program where you get to even have some live one-on-one coaching calls with me too. So check that all out at mindfulparentingcourse.com. And next week, there will be a live coaching call so check that out. I feel like I've just said the words check that out so many times, so I apologize. But, of course, I hope you're subscribed so you'll get that episode. And I wish you a beautiful week. I hope that this conversation has really sparked something in you about how you can live more fully. So I hope that for you. Wishing you a beautiful week, my friend. Namaste.